Good morning. Welcome to Convo on this kind of dreary Monday morning. I hope we'll liven it up with some sunshine, both uh, literally overhead and in some of the comments you'll hear. I'm Lisa Gadea Carreño, one of the leaders of this summer's Nicaraguan SST unit. I'm also library director here at Goshen College. My co-leader, Gwen Penner, who is a former art professor here at Goshen College, could not be here with us this morning because she's moved to Denver, Colorado. Uh, but I want to give her a shout out in case she's listening. I guess we're not live, but she might listen later. Um, I also want to recognize the whole group of Nicaraguan SSTers. They're all right here. Um, would you all give them a round of applause? <laughs> if there are any of you out there who haven't come up here who were with us, I haven't done the head count. We did that many, many times this summer, but I'm not above it. I might do it. If you haven't come up here and you're you are with us, please do. Um, Nicaragua was one of the first host countries when Goshen College started the SST program back in 1968. The country continued as an SST location until December 1972 when a major earthquake destroyed most of Managua, the capital city, only two days before Christmas. But SST again returned to Nicaragua after a few years until 1978 when a popular insurrection toppled the Somoza dictatorship. Now for the third time, Goshen is back in Nicaragua for SST. Last year was the first one of our renewed SST program there that was led by Doug Shurek and his wife Maria Sanchez Shurek. Today is United Nations International Day of Peace and it seems fitting in many ways that this convo should be about Nicaragua or rather our experiences there. Nicaragua has a long and often turbulent history with the United States. There's much too much to say about this history in a brief introduction, but suffice it to say that like many Latin American countries, Nicaragua has suffered greatly at the hands of foreign intervention, from European colonialism to US military aggression and intervention. In particular, the last half century of Nicaraguan history has seen a three-generational family dictatorship established and supported by the United States government followed by ongoing political instability due in a large part to the Cold War and post-Cold War politics. It has seen long-standing disputes over ownership and uses of land and natural resources. It has seen a devastating civil war fomented and funded by the United States. And it has seen ever-widening economic disparities that have been made even worse by the current economic climate in the, in the world. Today, Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Americas, ranking just above Haiti in per capita purchasing power and gross domestic product. This morning, we're going to hear from a handful of this summer's Nicaraguan SSTers, and then we'll end with a musical slideshow that we hope will give you some inkling of our collective and individual experiences there. After the slideshow, there is one brief announcement, so please stay here when it ends. Good morning, my name is Jackie Moser. My name is Bethany Yoder. And we'll be talking about our service location. Valerie and I were placed to work at the Centro Salud in La Concha. Halfway through our time there, Bethany joined us. La Concha is a rural town up in the mountains and is a 30 minute bus ride away from our city location, Hinotepe. At the Centro Salud, we worked at the clinic three days a week and went to the countryside the other two days. When we would go into the countryside, we would sometimes make home visits to children under the age of five who had not been vaccinated 
or pregnant women. However, most of our time was spent collecting a health census. I would normally follow a nurse named Darlene and we'd walk door to door for most of the morning and early afternoon. We obtained the following information. The names of the people who lived in the house, their ages, their jobs, education level, if they could read or write, if they had any chronic diseases, what the condition of their house was in, whether they had dirt or cement floors, and if they met the Central Salud's health living standards. Going to the countryside was the favorite part of my job because I got to meet such welcoming people. After we had finished filling out the health census, we would talk, for the families, we would talk with the families for a while. I was able to understand the Nicaraguan people more by connecting with them this way. This experience taught me a lot about giving of myself even when you don't have much. These huge families with awful living conditions and not a lot of money would always offer Darlene and I bags of bananas, oranges, or mangoes from their backyard and often invite us in for lunch. For the three days we spent in the clinic each week, we spent most of our time working in the infant, prenatal, and contraceptive care room. Occasionally, we spent some interesting days in the emergency and wound room care, care room, learning some unique and often unsanitary, but nonetheless effective ways to care for different ailments. There was also a pharmacy, a flu room, a dental care room, and general care areas. Each morning, locals began lining up around 7 a.m. for the first come, first serve care system. Their charts were pulled as they showed up, and depending on the complications of their visit, they would either be given to a nurse or a doctor. Our day began at 8 a.m. and went until 2 or 3 in the afternoon, assisting Darlene, the peppy and knowledgeable nurse that wanted to photo shoot every new experience that Jackie and I ever had, ranging from hand-making cotton balls to giving screaming two-year-old shots in the rear. She and others graciously let us learn and give care even while stumbling through our imperfect Spanish. In our time there, we gave vaccines, birth control shots, wound care, and nebulizer treatments. We took heights, weights, measurements, and blood pressures. We also performed pap smears, removed stitches, burned off warts, drained cysts, and helped with prenatal visits, wrote prescriptions with the help of nurses, of course, and charted in Spanish. When we weren't busy with patients, we had a great time socializing with the nurses. Some days we ran into trouble with lack of supplies like gloves or even the ability to wash our hands when the water ran out, but we left the experience as a whole with an abundance of knowledge and th thankfulness to all those who touched our lives and let us touch theirs, even as clueless gringos. My name is Kurt Neufeld. And I'm Jonathan Stuckey. Uh, for our service location, we were in uh, Laguna de Apoyo, which is uh, this beautiful crater lake that's in between um, the capital city, uh, or the capital city, uh, between Messiah and Granada, two of the major cities in, in Nicaragua. Um, basically, this is a resort. Um, so we had a really awful, terrible service experience <laughs> with beautiful nature, you know, a 200 meter deep crater lake with six endemic species of fish. Um, yeah, that's, no, it was pretty awful. Um, but we, we made do, we made do. Um, the one thing that we probably should explain about, about our site is that, well, the Crater Lake is down, all right, but we lived up above it, about, what, a 30, 40 minute hike up? All right, so the first day that we did this, uh, we, we hiked down with my host brother, so uh, one of the guys we worked with, um, and then he, he left, he leaves at four o'clock, but we ate all our meals down in the station. We worked at a biological station, Kurt's can explain that a little bit. Um, and then the first night, well, we basically had to find our way on this random path that went through a jungle-y woods type thing. Which, 
in case you've never done it, is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> because you don't know what's around the next corner, there's random paths going every direction, and you're in a woods in a Spanish-speaking country when neither of us can speak Spanish that well. <laughs> anyway, somehow we made it only getting lost twice, so that's not too bad. Um, yeah, and, and that was a lot, of, a lot of our service experience, was, was hiking up mountains, down mountains, just lots and lots of walking, and going to the hospital, which that was fun too, so there you go. All right, with this little background, I'm going to talk a little bit about the actual service projects that we did. The first project we worked on was a reforestation project. Now, the biological station we were working at had a few thousand very small trees, and then there was a, about a 45-minute hike, like John said, up the side of the mountain. Um, there was an area that a farmer had cleared out um, because he was going to plant a field, but eventually he realized it was too steep to plant crops. Um, so it was cleared out and there was just a bunch of really short or tall grass with shallow root structures. So obviously this is a perfect recipe for severe erosion. And so John and I spent countless hours transporting these trees and planting them at this reforestation site. However, this project did come with some frustrations. Um, a few weeks in, we learned that there's, this, there's a main paved road that comes down next to the biological station and we actually learned that it passed about 50 or 75 yards from the reforestation site. So the work that had taken us weeks and weeks to complete probably could have been completed in a day or two at most with the use of a vehicle. So this was obviously demoralizing, <laughs> but at the same time, it still was a very fun and rewarding project. Now the other project we worked on was catching butterflies. Um, yeah, this sound, obviously sounds like a very glamorous job, but actually it was relatively dull. Um, we started the project by sewing little traps. There's these cylinders that you put rotten fruit under and the butterflies fly up in and they're too stupid to escape. So yeah, we, we sewed these traps which we eventually hung from trees. And then the majority of our work was simply to protect the traps. The biological station has problems with traps and nets being stolen by the locals. And so we would literally spend six or eight hours defending the traps out in the woods. <laughs> um, as we worked with the butterfly expert who was the only one who actually knew anything about butterflies. So yeah, these two projects created a nice balance of relaxation and physical labor. And John and I both thoroughly enjoyed our service assignment. Oh, and, and, and one more thing. Just for the record, yes, there was only one town that had soccer jerseys. That's why. Yes. There's, don't worry about it. I'm Michelle Kaufman, and for my final project, I studied Nicaraguan dance. Um, throughout both the study and service portion, I took lessons. And um, probably one of the highlights of this project was that during the service portion, I took lessons from Emma's sister. Um, Emma and Rachel actually then joined me each week, and we went to Emma's house, cleared away all the furniture, put on music, and danced around. Um, oftentimes, Emma's family would also join us, so there'd be these little five and six-year-old kids. Sometimes her mom would be dancing with us or sitting and laughing, us, laughing at us trying to dance because some of the moves were pretty difficult. Um, so I'm going to show you just a little bit of what I learned, a few uh, steps of Nicaraguan folk dance. It's to music called marimba. Good morning, I'm John Buller. <laughs> For my service assignment, I 
um, was able to claim the most mosquito bites. I had 212. Well, more than that, but I stopped counting. <laughs> I also worked at an orphanage for children with physical and mental disabilities. Uh, one little boy was named Jose Manuel. Jose Manuel. But I always called him Manuelito. Manuelito is five years old, but he looks like he's about one. He can't walk and can't crawl. But Oh, can't walk but can crawl. Can't speak but can scream. He has severe muscle loss and acid reflux, but he can also make your heart melt with just one smile. He's affectionately known by the nurses at the orphanage as a manipulator because he's just so cute, he can get what are you he can get you to do just about anything for him. Thus being said, he hardly suffers from lack of attention and probably got a bit too much favoritism from me over my six weeks there. My day wouldn't be complete unless I talked to him, even if it was just for five minutes during the afternoon playtime. However, Manuelito did have some quirks that would get him into trouble. He loved to take the other children's food or eat with his hands, both things he wasn't supposed to do. His attention span was not always the best either, so occasionally while I tried to work with him one-on-one -on -one during the mornings, he would be more entertained at looking at himself in the mirror instead of putting the cube in the bucket. However, my favorite activity with Manuelito was holding in my lap or arms and watching his face would scrunch up, eyes shut wide tight, mouth wide open, and then would look expectantly at me and wait for me to do the same. He apparently thought this rather amusing, as did the other nurses who worked at the orphanage. It sounds cliche, but Manuelito taught me even more about the freedom of loving others. All it took was a simple hug in the morning or even just a smile. If I gave him that much, his joy always left me feeling as if I had everything I would ever need. Hi, my name is John Williams. And I'm Liz Gundon, and we're gonna talk about our service assignment. Our service time is spent in the little village of Candelaria, located in cent the central part of Nicaragua. Along with Allie Gottwalls and Gina Richards, we worked with an organization called Asa Phoenix that helped vi villages such as Candelaria to improve their living conditions through renewable energy methods. For example, much of our time was spent building a biodigester, which was used to collect the methane gas from decomposing cow manure to be used for cooking. So uh, when we weren't spending our time constructing this biodigester or filling it up with cow manure that we collected with our hands, um, we found many other ways to entertain ourselves. From playing baseball with all of the kids, and I might emphasize every single one of the kids in the village, with a soccer ball, we uh, walked had other uh, adventures. For instance, we walked two hours through the mountains, through forests, over cliffs, to find this running of the chicken, it was called. And this was a festival to honor a martyr who had been beheaded. Um, and it consisted of men from all over the countryside riding around on horseback while trying to rip the head off of a chicken that was strung up between two trees. In fact, walking was a large part of our daily routine. We walked seven miles every weekend to the nearest town with internet access and ice cream. Um, two miles every day to buy our fill of mangoes and bananas and various other distances to entertain ourselves. What we will, what we will remember the best about our time in Candelaria are the latrines, the wildlife, the killer pigs, the food, meaning rice and beans, and of course the people. 
Our families were the most welcoming people that I had ever met and really made us part of their lives. We learned many things about the Nicaraguan lifestyles, including grinding corn at four in the morning to make tortillas for the day, and just how to sit around and enjoy being with other people. Our time in Candelaria was a challenge to deal with at times, but looking back on it now, we can fully appreciate everything that we experienced and the time that we spent totally immersed in the people and culture of the Nicaraguan combo. Hi, my name is Emma Fenton Miller, and I'm gonna talk a little about my service assignment as well. Um, with a women's papermaking cooperative called the Mujeres Ambientalistas, or the Environmental Women. Um, halfway through our study portion, our group took a trip to the fresh, beautiful mountainous city of Esteli. Um, and while we were there, um, we visited this particular women's cooperative. Um, and at the time, I was signed up for a different service assignment in, in a different city, but as soon as I saw and met the women and saw this beautiful, fibrous paper, I knew that this is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so I asked, and three weeks later, I found myself a volunteer in Esteli. The Mujeres Ambientalistas began 14 years ago as a group of local women working together to try to clean up an illegal dump adjacent to their neighborhood. Not only is it unpleasant to live near a dump, but obviously it's hazardous. I heard many stories from the women of children getting sick and dying. After cleaning up the dump, the women wanted to stick together and find a way to create jobs for women in the area. Um, this is the point when they decided to create a women's cooperative. Um, originally, it was to compost the trash in the area. I actually don't know a whole lot about this period in the Ambientalista's history because the neighbors thought it smelled bad and shut it down. Um, but then they started creating this beautiful arty paper um, they recycle both organic materials and old paper in the process. So I spent six weeks making paper. These are some drawing slash collage type things I did while I was working with them made out of their paper and using some of their techniques. Six weeks making paper, making and designing cards with the women, and being inspired in general by their incredible patience, perseverance, and strength. Hello, I'm Naomi Tice. And I'm Stephanie Freed. And for service, Steph and I worked in a deaf school near the capital city of Managua called La Escuela Cristiana de Sordos Isaías 29 Días de Ocho, or when translated, the Christian Deaf School, Isaiah 29:18. Um, to put it into context, I knew very little ASL. And I was all right with my Spanish-speaking abilities. But Steph here is an ASL Spanish double major. She had a lot easier time than I did. She was at least able to communicate somewhat with the students right off the bat. Me, on the other hand, I couldn't communicate with the first grade students I was working with. Um, so during service, I learned a lot about language barriers. And any language barriers I had during our study term seemed a lot more minimal compared to the compared to the language barriers I had during service. Um, just to give you an idea of how difficult this was for me right at the beginning, I'm going to 
we're going to give you an example of a typical conversation we had with some of the students in the first two weeks while we were there. And I will translate afterwards. I am the Nicaraguan deaf student and Steph is herself. And you can just imagine me standing beside Steph with a rather dazed expression on my face trying to figure out what was being said. So translation. First, I asked Stephanie, are you from America? She's like, yes, we're from America. What's your name? My name's Stephanie, and her name is Noemi. Um, what's your sign? Stephanie's sign is this. And Naomi, she doesn't have a sign. <laughs> she doesn't. That, that was always part of the question, and so everyone would always try and give her a name sign because she didn't have one. So she ended up with, you know, a suggestion like this or like this or a whole plethora of different sign names, suggestions. I didn't officially get a sign name until about our last week there. And it was this eventually. But um, And then the next question was, why are you here? Uh, we're here working in the, the school. Um, well, how long are you here? We're here for six weeks, but we already spent um, six weeks in Hinotepe. Oh, do you like Nicaragua? Yes, we like Nicaragua. Oh, good. God bless you. But so just, that's just an example of kind of how things were right at the beginning. But by the end, I was able to hold my own in a simple conversation. And I, was, I now have some friends that I talk with from the deaf school, which is a lot of fun. Um, so now we're going to have a slideshow. And at the slideshow, Ecopax is going to have an announcement. Hi, I'm Hannah Everly. And this week is the International Climate Week, which basically means that the international leaders of our world are gathering in New York um, to talk about the policy on climate change and just the state of our Earth. Um, later this year, they will update the current climate change plan. Today, some of us will be calling government officials to voice our opinion about the environment and let them know that we are concerned. Um, later this week, Ecopax will be having a meeting at the Broken Shield, a potluck on Thursday at 6 o'clock, and we would invite you all to attend. We will be Continuing our planning for 350, which is a global campaign to talk about the parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. It's currently at 390, and it needs to be down at 350 for the Earth and for humans to survive in the long term. Um, so yeah, come Thursday, potluck at the Broken Shield at 6 o'clock, and we'd love to see you there. Have a great day.